All right, good morning. If you weren't here earlier, let me, uh, let me extend my welcome again. We are glad you're here. Welcome to Riverside. It's going to be a great day. It's already been incredible to gather in this room, to worship together, to bless uh, some new children together, to celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper together, and to come here and to be together as a faith family here at Riverside. Um, we're glad you're here. It's going to be an incredible day. Today's going to be a little different. I've asked DJ to stay uh, on stage and to join me this morning and to help me this morning as, as we talk about this word, uh, community. And today we're going to talk about what it means to be a community gathered. Uh, what does it mean to, to be a faith family here at Riverside? And why do we do what we do? And why do we worship the way we worship and how we worship? And why does that matter? And why is this one hour a week so important? And why is what we do here so, uh, so, uh, so critical to, to who we are as a church? And, and all those questions that kind of surround, surround that. Next week, we'll talk about what does it mean to be a community scattered, if you will. And I'm going to ask Jason Graves to join me next week and help me talk through that uh, with all of us together as we have a conversation about what it means to be a community of people that go out into our local communities, into communities around the world to carry the name of Jesus as people uh, who leave this place uh, from Riverside. So it's going to be a, a great couple of weeks as we talk through this idea of community. And really what we want to do today is just redeem this idea of what it means to be a community gathered. Uh, we want to redeem this idea, the sense of purpose, the sense of vision for what happens in this room and for why we worship the way we worship and why that matters. And as, I was, as we were talking about this this week, one of the, the questions that came up for us is, have you ever had one of those moments where you felt uh, out of place? You ever, you ever, has there ever been a time when you stepped into a situation or into a room and you just felt completely out of place? And I thought of all the people that would have a story about that, it would be DJ. Uh, <laughs> Shots fired and we barely started. All right. It's going to be a fun morning. D- DJ, you ever experienced this? I don't think we have enough time <laughs> to chronicle those experiences. Uh, as I was thinking, uh, there was a particular instance when I was a kid. My dad was a hospital administrator. All right. And so we were often were interacting with doctors and things like that. And, you know, it's polite when you're a kid to not call somebody by his first name, right? Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, doctor in this case. And my parents had always told me, you know, it's rude to call somebody by their first name. And you're a kid. This is an adult. Common sense stuff, you know, that sometimes seems to go by the wayside. But there were these two doctors. And in my mind, I thought I had their names right. And I'm with my dad, and we see these two guys. And the doctor's name is Ed, who's coming at me. And the other doctor's name uh, was Eric. And it's Ed, and I say, what's up, Eric? <laughs> Here's my dad who hired these guys. We both wanted to hide under a rock. We, we felt, I felt out of place, and I made my dad feel out of place. But I think the, the best experience was that time, and maybe you can relate to this, when the bathrooms aren't clearly marked. Oh. Yeah, I'm sure, surely you can't relate. Yeah, um, I've never done that. Amen. I got an amen. <laughs> But when, when you walk into the girl's bathroom as a guy or as a guy, you just want to kind of shrink back in fear and never, never come out. Uh, or, or, or maybe you recognize this guy. It's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> I remember watching footage of football games, and they'll scan the crowd, and there's people whose faces are painted, you know, like fans. And then there's the John 316 guy. It's Super Bowl Sunday. fitting. Out. He looks out of place to me. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm rethinking my decision to ask DJ to help me this morning. There's more. Ladies, be careful after service. Um, <laughs> they have switched the door. No, 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 no. I remember, uh, for me, the funniest thing that I ever, well, not one, one of the funniest things, was uh, Alicia and I were living in Atlanta, and uh, we were going to be a part of a, of a new small group. It was our first time to go. So we, we go and we find this house. Our friends are there, and we walk in. And as soon as we get in, we get all the kids in, we realize we forgot something. And so being the super dad that I am, I volunteer to, to run back to our house and get that thing that we forgot. It was a, a blanket, a night-night, a toy, something that we had to have for one of, one of our girls, I think. And uh, I did that, and I came back, and I, and I parked the car next to all the other cars. I walk up the steps. I, I, I'd already been there, and so they, they were expecting me back. So I just did the obligatory, you know, knock-knock, and I'm going to walk right in. So I walk in, and as soon as I walk in, I notice this little girl, and I hadn't seen her before, but I didn't, I didn't know everybody in our small group. And I go ahead and make myself at home, and this lady approaches me, and I'm like, I don't recognize recognize her either. And I'm also wondering where are all the people that I do know. And that's when I had the shocking revelation, I'm in the wrong house. <laughs> so I quickly run out of the door after I apologize and uh, go next door to where uh, the small group is. <laughs> you missed it by a house. Uh, just one. Uh, that's a story for another time. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, we all know what this feels like, don't we? And for many of us, there's no worse feeling than that feeling of being out of place. It, you tend to just shrink back inside yourself. You, you don't know how to act and how to respond. You don't know what to say. But let me reframe that question a little bit. Have you ever felt out of place at church? You ever been, I see lots of heads nodding. You ever been out of town? Maybe you're on vacation or something. You decide you're going to go to church. And when you walk in the door you realize that this is very different from what you're used to. And even though you come to church every week, you are an experienced veteran Christian. I mean, you got the church thing down. You know how it's supposed to go when you walk in. Avid worship attender, at this moment, you feel out of place. Maybe it's you're overdressed, maybe you're underdressed. Maybe they do communion different. Maybe they don't do communion at all. Maybe they ask everybody to stand and you don't know uh, to stand. Maybe they, they ask everybody to stand and greet each other and nobody greets you. So you're even more shrinking back. Maybe some of the songs they sing are com completely unfamiliar. You, you could go on and on and on with, with those experiences, I think. And you simply just couldn't wait to, when the final amen was said, bolt out the back door. Yeah, I mean, we've had experience. I, Alicia and I, have, like a lot of you guys, have been out of town. And we we went to this church one Sunday, and and um, you know, we walk in. It was a different church. It wasn't you know one of one of our tribe churches. I'll say it wasn't a church of Christ. We walk into this church, and it's uh, we walk in. The lights are full bright, and as we go around to find our seats, we're a few minutes late. It's like every eye is on us. It's like a spotlight. You know, we're the new people. Everybody looks. We we don't belong. We don't fit. We're not normally there. Uh, we, we have this, you know, everybody's staring at us as we find our, we finally find a seat. We sit down. Uh, we have our kids with us. So everybody, it feels like you're just gawking at us and our craziness that is our, our family of five. And they're singing songs we don't know. And that's fine. It's just, they, you know, they do things different and that's fine, but we didn't know what to expect or what to do. And when the whole thing was finally over, I think maybe two people spoke to us and we thought this was just a and, and, and you know, you know, I work for a church. I'm a professional Christian. Right. The, the, this, <laughs> this, it was, this was weird. This was weird for us. And, and, and that's a church where we didn't feel it was just awkward. Uh, I think the best experience that I can relate to that was 
one of my first first couple of Sundays in full-time ministry. Uh, I had just moved to Arlington, Texas uh, to serve the North Davis Church. And I was getting there early on a Sunday morning, has been my custom. Uh, some, some cars were, were coming in as I was coming in. And, and I parked in a certain spot. Go in, do my thing. And I'm getting ready to start working with a worship team or getting AV stuff ready. And I see this, what I thought was a sweet, older, veteran, experienced Christian woman Hmm. coming at me with the look of death in her eyes. And I'm thinking, man, I hadn't even been here long enough to offend anybody. (laughs) And she comes up to me and says, hi, I'm B. You're in my parking spot. (laughs) And I'm like, what just happened here? And she came back because I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I couldn't do anything. But she came back and he says, my name is painted on the concrete. That's my parking spot. And you need to move your car. Man, I'm like, I didn't even know what to do. I, I, I'm like, did I make the wrong decision to come to this church? I, I, did, I wanted to go hide under a rock. I think what all this points to is that there is a truth. It's true at most churches. It's true at this church that there is a natural gravitational pull towards insiders when it comes to church. And we, we know this is true because we, we all like things a certain way. We, we all like to sing, you know, we want DJ to sing the songs that we love. We want the order of worship be, to be in the, the order that we like. We like the lights to be at a, at a certain level. We, you know, we like for it all to be um, a certain way because we have our preferences. And the natural pull of any church, the gra- natural gravitational pull is towards those who are inside the church. And it's hard for us because we, we also think that we're a friendly church, right? I mean, that's something that we, we're kind of, uh, we kind of lean on here at Riverside is that we're a friendly, welcoming church. And, and I think that's true. But this is also true that every week we have, we have people who come into uh, to our church that gather with us to worship who, who are newcomers, who are first-timers. And, and, you know, what we want to be true is that we welcome them, but sometimes they may not always feel welcomed. And, and we know that that's true because as friendly as we think we are, um, we have to face the fact that we have people that come every week for the first time and some of them don't come back. And if we were as friendly as we thought we were, this is just a hard truth, then they would stay. They would come back a second time. And if we were as friendly as we thought we were, they would, uh, they would, they, we would retain them over a long period of time. And, and I, I want to I say, I do think we are a friendly church. I do think we're a welcoming church. Our family's fairly new here, and, and you guys have been extraordinarily gracious to us, and we feel incredibly loved and welcomed. And that's our experience, but that's not everybody's experience. And the hard reality is, is, is if we, if we want to be that friendly, if we want to be that welcome, then we ought to be growing. And that's a sign that we are as friendly as, as at least I think we want to be. I think that's right. Uh, but I think that thought, that idea prompts us to maybe even ask a deeper question uh, or deeper questions. And that question is this, what is church? How do we define that? And, and even further, who are we here for? What is church? Who are we here for? And I think we all know the answer to this, but it's good to think about it and be reminded that, that the church is not 150 East Beltline Road, Coppell 75019. And I thought about this. When I was a kid, we used to listen to this old Church of Christ group called AVB. Mm-hmm. You can't go to church, as some people say, the common terminology you use every day. You can go to a chapel. You can sit on a pew. But you can't go to church because the church is you. The church is people. As we've already sung, we are the church. The original word in, in, in the New Testament uh, that, that, that meant gathered people was the word ecclesia. Yeah. 
And, and that's the vision of church that, that the New Testament tells us. It's the people who are called out and gathered. You know, it's, and that's why I think we refer to what we do on Sunday morning as not, not worship service. That, that, that language doesn't exist in the New Testament context. That's a word that, that, that has been put together as time has, has passed. You know, I, I think of lip service, mm-hmm. worship service. That's a real negative word for me, mm-hmm. just a buzzword. It's just, it, that's my problem to deal with. Yeah. But this is a worship gathering. It's a gathering of Jesus' followers who belong to each other, and we come together to exalt, to exalt God and lift each other up. It, it, we, we lift Jesus up. Yeah, so a that's church, church. Church is a gathering, and then who are we here for? There's a lot of tension in that question, isn't there? Who are we here for? You know, uh, I think our, our practical response, and what I mean by that is what we do in practice, is that we're kind of here for us. And we would never say that. We would never vocalize that because that feels selfish. That feels self-centered. But in reality, that's kind of what happens. Again, that gravitational pull of the local church is towards insiders. And so what ends up happening is, is we're here for us because we want... You know, the way you test this is what do we complain about? You know, we complain about the things that, uh, that we don't like that happened during that one hour of worship, you know? And so we, we think that our preferences should be everybody's preferences. We think that uh, we should sing the songs that we love. We think the light should be at the level that we like because everybody likes that. And we probably haven't talked to everybody, all 500 plus people in the room, but we just assume that everybody has the exact same preferences that we have because we want things to be our way. And... Is that really who we're for? Uh, you may have seen this video as we were talking about this idea. This, this is an older video, but it, it reminds us of, of just, just how comical it can be. If we tried to create a church that was just for you, you know, if, if there was a church that was just for me, this is, this is maybe what it would look like. This video is called Me Church. If you would, take a second and let's, let's watch this. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church where it's all about you. <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, and if you haven't gotten your Super Bowl tickets yet, you know, you, you can talk to Corey That's uh, right. after, after church. So what is the church? Who is it for? The good news is for us that through Jesus, God gives us some insight in the answers to that question. If you've got your Bible, if you've got your tablet or your phone, you want to flip over to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to dwell today. And this is perhaps one of the most famous stories that we know about Jesus, especially 
because we learned about it as kids and learned a little song. And I, and I thought about doing that, singing that song this morning, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press on even though I'm tempted. But we know this story about Zacchaeus. And as we read the story, uh, I want you to think about this question. Who in the story are we supposed to identify with? Which character are we supposed to identify with as the Riverside Church? And what does Jesus tell us about the church and who's it for? So let's, let's, let's listen to, to God's word from Luke 19. Then Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Remember tax collector status, right? Lowest of the low. Uh, tax collectors were not people that you associated with, and, and he was the chief tax collector. All right, verse 3. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So we ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. That word see, that word look, so important. He so desperately wants to see Jesus. And the only shot he's got is to climb this tree to catch a glimpse. Verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. I can just kind of hear them grumbling. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And look at Jesus' response. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. The story isn't just for kids, right? I mean, this story has profound implications for who we are supposed to be because we believe that we are the body of Christ. We are the hands and the feet and the face of Jesus in the here and now in this community, in this place, that we are supposed to be, to be the body, the, to be the people of God in this place. And what was the mission of Jesus? It was simple, to seek and save the lost. Who, who, who was Jesus looking for? He was looking for Zacchaeus. Here's what's cool about the story is Zacchaeus climbs a tree so he can seek to see Jesus. What Zacchaeus had no idea was that Jesus was coming to seek after him so he could save him. This is who Jesus came to, to see and to meet and to interact with. And we see it over and over again in scripture that Jesus is always about coming in and finding the least of these, the outcasts, the marginalized, the people that have, that, have, that have fallen by the wayside and he sees them and he seeks them out. And why? Because he wants to save them. And, and, and I don't think any of us would disagree in the room that this is who we wanna be. That in this sense, we wanna be just like Jesus. That in this sense, we wanna have the same mission that Jesus had, that we want to also be about seeking and saving the lost, that this is who we wanna be. Because there are people who woke up this morning in this town, in this city, in the surrounding areas who need Jesus, who need to know about his love, who need to know about God's unconditional love, who need to know that there is a God who came for them, who loved them, who died for them. They need to know because they woke up this, this morning and unlike you, they didn't come to church. I don't know about you, but my drive to Sunday morning to church and my drive on Monday morning 
to church are two very different experiences. What's the difference? Traffic. I can count on one hand just about the number of cars I drive by on my way here on Sunday morning. The reality is there are many people around us where we live and where the Riverside Church is, people, a lot of them, who are looking for what we have. They're looking for the love that we share in. They're looking for this light, this Jesus light, if you want to call it something that's different about us. They want a family. They want a faith family. And they're craving that and they're searching for that all around us. So what is the church? We are a gathering of Jesus followers. We are the body of Christ. And who are we here for? We're here for Zacchaeus. We're here for people just like him. And, and, and let me just take a quick time out and say this, that, that I know that this is one of those messages, this is one of those mornings where this is more of, of an insider conversation. And so if you're here and you're a part of our faith family here at Riverside, we want you to really lean in because this is, this is important to who we are and to our identity and, and who we want to be in this place. And, and it's really, it's, it's an important conversation. If you're, if you're a visitor with us, if, if, if you're still looking, maybe this is your first time here, maybe you've been coming for a little while and you're still checking us out, you're kicking the tires, you're trying to figure out if this is the place that you can call home, I want you to lean in too. I want you to overhear this conversation because this is who we want to be. Because who we want to be in the story, let's talk about that. DJ asked that question. Who are we in the story? Are we Are we Jesus? Are we the people who are seeking and saving the lost? That's who we want to be. That's who we want to be. And on our best days, maybe that's who we are. But there's days, if you have days like I have days, there are days we're more like Zacchaeus. We are painfully aware that we are a sinner in need of a savior. And we would do anything. We would climb any tree to get a glimpse, a glimmer of hope. And some days, some days we kind of fit into that mold. But this morning, here's, here's what I want to be true of us. Here's my vision for Riverside. I don't, in the story, I don't want you to be Jesus. And in the story, I don't want you to, to identify with Zacchaeus. In the story, what, what I want to be true of us, my vision for, for this church, for this place, is that we would be the tree. That we would be a sycamore tree. That people, when they enter the room, we could lift them to a place where they then could see, experience the same Jesus that you and I know. I mean, couldn't that be a wonderful thing to be true of us? That when people walked in the room, that collectively we were able to lift them into a place where they were able to catch a glimmer and to experience Jesus. You kind of wonder, what if Jesus didn't stop for Zacchaeus? What if Jesus had kept on walking? What if Jesus had cared more for his disciples in that moment than for this wee little man in a tree? What if he was more interested in what those who had been coming to his church for years thought than what Zacchaeus thought or needed in that moment? And And that begs us the question, do we stop? Do we stop for Zacchaeus? Who are we ignoring? Here's the thing. You and I have to care more, have to care about more than ourselves. We've got to look beyond ourselves. We have to care deeply about those whom Jesus cares about. 
and, and it's easy to see in this church that we do. All around us, we see that time after time. We know there isn't anyone in this room who would intentionally ignore or not help someone who needed help or, or, or help someone who needed to experience Jesus' love and grace. None of us would do that on purpose. Absolutely. I feel very confident of that as I have seen it in you for the last seven months. But practically speaking, our worship, this thing that we come together to experience on Sunday morning, we tend to, by nature, to focus inward and stop looking outward. And Corey has already referenced that. Andy Stanley has a quote in his book, Deep and Wide, that I find particularly eye-opening. Andy Stanley says, Nearly all the senior pastors I've ever talked to would claim adamantly that they want unchurched people to attend and connect with their churches. But then they turn right around and create, quote-unquote, services that assume everybody present is a believer and attends every week. Isn't that us? Isn't that what we do unintentionally? We, we treat our time together in this room as if everybody here is already a believer. Everybody knows and understands everything we do and everything we come together for every week. And I think we've somehow lost our focus on being the sycamore tree of being a place that every week tries to lift up another person to that place where they can see Jesus. And we just, and I'm guilty of this, I am. We've talked about it. We're guilty and we complain when things aren't the way we like them. And I do that far too often. It's an easy trap to fall into. Yeah, and and I'm guilty. We're all guilty, right? We have our preferences. We have the things that we like. But, but as we keep saying, that's, that's the nature of, of church. It's always, that gravitational pull is always back. So how do we, back towards the inside, so how do we turn our focus back outside? How do we turn our focus back to those people that, that need to see Jesus? Um, if you were here this morning during class, uh, John Pauly did a great job of reminding us that we gotta be praying about our community. You know, we, we are situated in a place that's growing, that's thriving, and there are people here around us that, that need to know the love of Jesus. There are people uh, that are here around us that need a faith family like we have here at Riverside and who need to experience what you experience and what I experience every week. And, and this is what I know is true of you because I, I think I know your heart well enough to say this. I, I think if it came right down to it, there is nothing that you wouldn't do to help somebody else have an encounter with Jesus. I think I'm right about that. I think if it came right down to it, there is, there is absolutely nothing you would not do that was in, within your power to help someone have an encounter, to have an experience, to have an opportunity to meet Jesus. And if you found out that when new people come in the room and just for example, the lights are fully on like they were that Sunday when Alicia and I visited that church, and, the, and then we felt like the spotlight was on us. And if you, if you found out that was going to potentially keep someone from coming back next week because they felt so awkward walking down the aisle with the lights fully on trying to find a seat, I, I, think, I think you would say, if that's the case, unplug the lights. <laughs> Let's turn them off. If you found out that turning the lights down helps some people, especially our younger generation, experience worship in a whole other way, you would say, kill it entirely. You would say, let's do whatever we can, what is it, whatever is within our power 
If you found out that that greeting time that you and I love so dearly was the most awkward moment, the most awkward, like you could not wait for DJ to start the next song because it's your first time here and you know people are supposed to talk to you, but you don't know what to do, you're, you're shy, you're uncomfortable, and it's just killing you. And you're not going to come back next week. If they do that every week at that church, there's no way I'm going back to that church. If you found out that was the case for somebody, I know what you would say. You would say, stop doing it. Let's, let's take away every possible barrier that we can to create an environment where when people came in the room, we could do whatever we could to lift them up, to put them in a position to see Jesus Christ, because you and I know that there's one thing that matters more than anything, and that's Jesus, and that's helping people see Jesus. And, and maybe one way we need to do that is to remember that, well, here's what I know that's true about this church also. You're a generous church. This church is a very giving church. In fact, one of the things that I love about this church that I have nothing to do with is that you're known in this community as a people who rise to the occasion when tragedy strikes. So for instance, I'm at a gathering of other local pastors a few weeks ago and I tell them I'm at Riverside and they're like, oh yeah, that's that church. That's that church that when we had the flood and there were all the flood victims, that was the church that, that, that took everybody in and got all the stuff gathered and became the center for, for all the help that was needed for the area and for people that were in need. That's how you're known in this community. You're known as a generous, loving church. But you also know that generosity is way more about money. Generosity is way more about giving of your resources. What if we were generous in the way we worship? What if we were generous in our attitudes towards each other? What if we were generous in, 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 in allowing people to experience? And we're not talking about changing the message. We're not talking about not preaching Jesus. We're talking about creating environments where people can come in and experience to be lifted up so they can see and encounter Jesus of Nazareth, right? So practically speaking, what do we want to do here for this hour, this, this gathering that we seek to, to come together and create a place and a space where people can come in and experience Jesus and leave formed more into the image of Jesus than they were when they walked in the door? Hmm. Well, I, I can tell you, and some of you have been a part of these conversations with me. We want to listen. Talk less, listen more. Yeah. We want to listen. We want to listen to our visitors. We want to read the research and read what experts tell us about guests coming to your church and how we can be more hospitable and welcoming. Not just when you walk in the, the first door, but when we come into this worship gathering. And we want to know the reasons why they do these things. And so like Corey said, maybe we dim the lights to create uh, a non-threatening environment for somebody to come in after it started so they don't feel like the spotlight's on them. And when we decide to, to stop in the middle of worship having a meeting and greeting time because visitors hate that moment, they do. And so we want to make it more more welcoming and, and a place where they can engage fully without the, the threat of being out of place like I was when I walked into the girls' bathroom, <laughs> right? And, and so we're rethinking our filter, the filter through which we think and plan and create Sunday morning. In fact, we're viewing our time through this filter, this filter of wanting to be the sycamore tree, how does that change what we do on Sunday morning? Wanting to put people in a position to see Jesus and have an interaction with Jesus as we plan our worship time together. So you may have heard there's a game today. 
Uh, I think at five o'clock is kickoff. Who's pulling for the Broncos? Cricket, cricket. Who's pulling for the Panthers? All right, good deal. So, uh, yeah, so, so if you don't care, it's most everybody. <laughs> it's not the Cowboys. It won't be anytime soon. So there's Ouch. that reality. I, I mean, I'm all in, but let's just be real. And so, uh, yeah, so what's, what's really cool about the Super Bowl today is that both teams have a really clear vision of what has to happen. They want to win, right? And how do you win the Super Bowl? How do you win a football game? You put more points on the scoreboard than the other team. It's really simple. So both teams have a clear vision. They want a clear outcome. They're going to do everything within their power to put points on the scoreboard so they can win the game. Uh, Here's a hard question, and I know you can only carry this analogy so far, so just hang with me for one second. We're about to wrap it up. In church, what's the vision? And how do we win? How do we put points on on the scoreboard? Um, for DJ and I, and I, and I think for all of us, and maybe we, we haven't articulated it this way, but I think we can say it this way. We, we have a really clear vision for what we want to happen here every week. If you come here every week, if you're a part of our, of our faith family, if you're tracking with us week in and week out, there's a really clear goal that I have in mind for you. And that's this. Uh, I'm hoping that because you come here every week and because you're a part of our faith family here at Riverside, that you have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if, if you become a better husband because you're here every week, if you become a better wife because you're here every week, if you're becoming a better dad, a better mom, if you're becoming a better brother, a better sister, a better son, a better daughter, a better employer, a better employee, because you're tracking with us every week and you have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and you're experiencing the transformation that happens when you encounter him, that's a win for us. That's points on the scoreboard. And if it's your first time here, and maybe for somebody in the room, it's your first time here. It probably is because it happens every week. Every Monday morning, I get a list of all the people that have visited our church on the, on the Sunday before. If you're a visitor here, here's what I want you to know. If you came today and you come back next week, that's a win for us. That's points on the scoreboard. And if you come back next week and you bring a friend, it's like we scored a touchdown and we got the two-point conversion. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's the goal. Because we want you to come back. Because we want you to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ too. And that's the heartbeat of this church. That's why we're here. Maybe we've struggled to say that in a clear way. Maybe we haven't had this imagery of being a sycamore tree, but that's it. We want everyone in the room to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're coming for the first time, we want you to come back. And if you're coming back and you bring a friend, we're going to do a dance in the end zone. Because that is our heart's desire, is that everyone could come in the room and have an experience, an encounter with Jesus. And you may ask, why do we have to do this uh, in worship? Aren't we just talking about an hour a week? Well, the answer to that question is yes, an hour, 70 minutes, you know, however detailed you want to be on that. But, but this hour, and I believe this, and I have a little note by my, com- my, my computer that reminds me of this when I'm planning worship, this hour... We come together so we can be launched back out. That's right. The, the, the Sunday morning worship gathering is the center of the mission of God. Because we come together to be launched back out to love and serve in the name of Jesus. And so it, it's important. It's so important what we do as, as a community. And it matters because it affects us when we, when we scatter. That's right. To use that language you used a minute ago. Yeah. Uh, Church, if you would, would you stand with me? Uh, I can't, I just can't get around the fact that in the story, Zacchaeus went to climb a tree so he could catch a glimpse of Jesus. 
And, and this morning you may have come in the room and, and, and you're hoping to catch a glimpse of him too. And, and I do wanna say it again, that Jesus's mission was to come and to seek and save the lost. And I pray that that's exactly the kind of church that we are as well. As we seek to redeem what, this, what, what our purpose is and what our vision is, as we seek to become the church in the here and now, may we be a church that lifts other people up and puts them in a place where they can see and they can catch a glimmer of hope where they can catch a glimmer, catch a glimpse of Jesus Christ. So this is in your bulletin. I just wanna read this as our closing this morning because it's Sunday. Welcome to Riverside, a church where we want everyone who walks in the door to feel welcome, a church where we want everyone in our community to feel invited, a church where we want those who are searching to find a home, to find a friend, to find a faith family because we're not perfect, in fact, we're far from it. As a community of believers in Jesus, we often make mistakes. We'll probably let you down at some point, but we're on this journey together to follow Jesus. And we want you to know we're here for you. And we mean that. We want you to meet the same Jesus that we know and love. We want you to experience what life is like when you're doing life his way. It's an incredible life. It's an abundant life. And we're glad you're here. And we want you to know that if there's anything, and we mean anything that we can do to help you to come to know Jesus in any way, we'll do it. Welcome to Riverside. We're glad you're here.